you know, the Lord Jesus Christ is uh, building his church. He has, a, he has a goal in mind. The Lord Jesus Christ, our great high priest, he is making intercession for you to help your personal life. But he has this big, broad perspective of building his church. He said, on the revelation that I'm the Christ, I will build my church. That's not a building made with hands. It's people put together. And so that's why he has set us in the church just as he pleased, that we are fitly joined together, supplying what each joint needs. We're put together by God for a purpose and a reason. And so in his mind, he's, he's making sure that you fit where he wants you. Now, to fit properly, he needs to knock the crust off of you. He needs to do some chiseling on the living stones. He's a living stone. You've come to him. Now we're called living stones. Put together in a building. And to do that, you're going to have to be like God. Last week, we talked about be imitators of God. Be mimickers of God as dear children. Just like a child follows their parents' footsteps, we follow God's footsteps. So just as he has these wonderful character traits, we're supposed to have these wonderful character traits. So you don't get to love God and, 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 and be a Christian and still be ornery. You don't. You, you don't get to be with God and claim Christ and still be mean, rude, insensitive, inconsiderate. No, no, you have failed. If that's your description, if people around you would describe you as mean and inconsiderate and rude, you have failed. Now, God will forget that and he'll forgive that and you can make an A tomorrow. But so far, we're praying for you. Because for you to fit in this building, he needs you to be like God. We're all in the progress of being made more perfect in Christ. Technically, you're viewed as perfect because he saved your soul, not based on your own merit. But practically for lifestyle, you need your character to change. So we learned that last week that where God is forgiving and long-suffering and kind and gentle and love, so must you be. And I'm not talking about you just try to be. I'm not, oh yeah, that's right. I got to walk in love. No, no, no. Let it take you over. Oh yeah. Oh, that's right. I got to suffer long. No, no, let that take you over where you just do it. Let it take you over where you don't have to make yourself be kind. You should not, as a Christian, have to walk around thinking, I, I, I got to be kind. I got to be kind. I really wanted to give them the what for, but I'm going to be kind instead. You shouldn't have to think that way. Amen. Let me try to get back to the what God can do for you. That's what you can do for God. Let's get back to the what God can do for me. What can God do for you? All things are possible with him. Yay. All, all things are possible with God. With him, nothing is impossible. He can change your life. So let's start with that. We'll start with that again. Got to start with that. Uh, first is you got to meet Jesus. Listen, if you haven't met Jesus, listen up. This is very important. This is first step. You got to meet Jesus. Nothing begins in your walk with God until you meet Jesus. Out of all the people out there that say they believe in God, out of all the religious stuff that people have done because they believe in God, nothing counts until you meet Jesus. Amen. That's right. 
Okay, you need to believe this. You need to know this. Nothing counts until you meet Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. There is no, no matter how good people are, no matter how religious people are, no matter how long their family's been in a particular denominational church, none of it matters. They haven't even got to square one until they meet Jesus. When you meet Jesus, you'll be born again. When you meet Jesus and believe in Christ, your heart will awaken to God and you'll have a spark in your eyes about God. Not just a, yeah, yeah, I believe I I go to the mountains and I believe there's a God and I'm closer to God out in the wilderness than anywhere else. No, he ain't out there. You're close to his creation and it reminds you of God. That didn't make you close to God. You can only get close to God if you go to the cross and receive Christ. And in that, you get born again, you get awakened to God, you get a new, uh, your heart opens to God's word. One of the, how do you know if you met Jesus? I'll tell you. Uh, Here's one of the signs that you've met Jesus. That when the word of God is taught, your heart burns. What do I mean? I mean, when the word of God is taught, if, if you're born again, if you're saved, man, you're excited. It's like, wow. Wow. When the Bible's read, it's like, yes. Wow. Okay. Remember when Jesus met the two men headed to Emmaus on the road to Emmaus? And, and it says they didn't know who he was because their eyes were, were still cloudy and blinded. And he expounded to them the scriptures concerning himself. All through the law and the prophets, he showed everything that pertained to the Messiah. And then when he left them, it says they looked at each other and, and said, did our hearts not burn while he read the scriptures and talked with us? Your heart should burn. Your heart should burn when you hear the word of God taught. When you hear the word of God preached, you should light up and think, yes, because it's living. And it's for people that are able to eat living food. Jesus said, my, he, he said, people cannot live by just food alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth. It should feel like food going in. That's one way that you know you've met Jesus is that you're open to his word. Matter of fact, he said that. He said, anyone who is of God hears my word. So anybody that claims to believe in God and love Jesus or whatever and is not interested at all in the Bible, they're suspect. I'm not here to judge them, but Jesus said, if you really love God, if you're of God, you'll hear his word. So when people get mad at you for quoting a scripture, suspect. Now, if you're just poking them with scripture, that's a different story. Don't go around poking people with scripture. Or beating them on the head like a hammer. No poking, no banging on the head. But when it's taught and preached in the right spirit, it should make people burn for God. Hallelujah. The other, the other thing is you should, be, you should be getting free. You should be getting healed. When you meet Jesus, man, he's the healer, he's the savior, he's the deliverer, he's the fixer of the broken hearts, he's the healer of everything in your life, the mender of the soul. He'll restore your soul. He'll fix all the brokenness inside you from the past. Look, the past has a lot of trouble in it, doesn't it? The future has trouble in it too, 
uh, but we're not even going to talk about it. He said, the, tomorrow has enough problems for itself. <laughs> Let's just be concerned with today. Rejoice today. The past has a whole bunch of trauma and troubles that everybody's gone through. Jesus resolves that for you. I don't care how bad yours was. He can fix you and set you up on your feet. We want you to be healed. We want you to be delivered from all those things. When I got into the kingdom of God, when I committed my life back to the Lord, demons left. Demons left me. People say, well, how did you get delivered? Uh, I got dunked in water and committed my life and demons scattered. Not all deliverance requires, you know, somebody laying hands and casting demons out of you. Nobody had to know the name of my demons to get them out. They just left when I committed to Christ. I didn't have to throw up in a bag. I didn't have to go through 16 hours of deliverance. I just received Christ in a big way, committed my heart 100%, and bam, they scattered. People say sometimes, you know, when you give your life to God, you better watch out. The devil's going to be after you. No, he scattered. Once I I gave my life to the Lord, he scattered. Right? he, he, He was with me for a long time. He was already dragging me into darkness for a long, long time. I didn't know it. As soon as I committed my life to the Lord, he scattered. I was freer than ever before, not more dogged than ever before, not more hounded by the devil than ever. He had been hounding me, I just didn't know it. So when people say that, they don't understand the Bible. They don't understand that when you give your life to Jesus, Jesus is free from the devil. And if I'm with Jesus, I'm free from the devil. So don't ever expect the devil to be after you more when you're serving God. No, less. Everybody say less. He's after me less. Now, if you think, oh, no, 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 all hell's broke loose since, I really don't like that term, but people say it. All this stuff's broken loose since I gave my life to Jesus. Here's the problem. In your heart, you must be only toying with Jesus. In your heart, you you might need to make a fuller commitment. Like you need to sell out to Jesus and really get close to him. That might be the issue here. Now, there is a scripture that says when you hear the word, Satan comes and tries to take it. Yes, you'll, you'll start hearing thoughts about how that's not right and you need to doubt that and don't believe that and don't believe. You might hear those thoughts. But if you will make a full commitment, the devil will flee. He'll scatter. He ha- it's a law. It's a spiritual law. James 4 says that you must submit to God, draw near to God. He'll draw near to you. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. So you need to resist him fully. Resist him and he has to leave. He has to flee. He must. He absolutely is by law. Like there's an unseen world that makes sure he obeys that law. If you do the resisting, he'll do the fleeing. So don't expect more devil in your life if you commit to the Lord. It's not more demons get after you, it's less. So you should be experiencing some freedom. Most of your freedom will come from learning truth because most of your bondage comes from wrong thinking. Most of our trouble in life comes from a unrenewed mind, comes from wrong thinking, worldly thinking, 
deception from Satan, you know, personal opinion has robbed many people of their destiny. You need to get freed from all that by learning the word of God. This is where the Bible calls it the washing of the water by the word. You need a good brain water washing by the word of God. And until you can get your thinking right, you're going to be bound. It's all Bible, right? Jesus said, you're my disciples. If you know the truth and continue in my word, you'll be my disciples. And then what? You'll know the word and you'll know the truth and the truth will set you, the truth will set you, the truth will set you free. Until you learn the truth, you're not totally free. Even if someone did cast demons out of you, for those demons to remain gone, you're going to have to fill your house with the truth. So every time you learn truth, you get stronger against all demons. So you, you probably could pinpoint demonic oppression in your life. Where has the devil messed you up? Well, you're going to have to admit it. You're going to have to uh, come to the word of God. You're going to have to allow the Lord to change you and fix you. You may need to get prayed for. All right. If you realize some oppression, you know, even in the Bible with demonic people, they had to come fall before Jesus feet. Demonic people, they had to come worship. Demonic people, they had to admit, they had to strive to get to Jesus. Or somebody had to drag them to the feet of Jesus. Well, the feet of Jesus aren't here physically, but spiritually, we're here for you. Spiritually, the altar is here, the pastors are here, the believers are here, the leaders are here to lay hands to to help you get to Jesus. But you're going to have to want it. Like if demons come to church, because they come to every church every Sunday. They do. They hang around with people every Sunday. And if they're sitting in the back, they're going to have to come forward. I'm not looking in the back. I don't know who's back there today. I'm just saying, if you have struggle, if you have oppression, if you have somewhere you recognize, you know, I got a stronghold, something's, man, I just can't get free from this. You're going to have to take a step of faith. Well, the pastor should know, and he should walk down to the back aisle where I'm sitting. It ain't going to work like that. You, you got to take a step of faith and come to God, and then bam, the power of God will set you free. Because demons will flee from the name of Jesus and the power of God, but you have to be willing. You have to be willing enough to take a step of faith, break through the roof, come through the crowd, get to the altar, ask for some prayer from somebody. Because sometimes your demons won't come out until somebody cast it out. They're in there for a reason. It's, it's, it's a lot of different reasons. I'm not going to get into that, but they're in there for a lot of different reasons. And if any of those reasons have to do with you, you're going to have to be willing to let them go. If any of those reasons is because of some decision you've made or some pride or some place you've been, uh, something you've allowed, some door you've opened, you're going to have some responsibility in the matter here. I, I want us to get real honest. I, I, I need every, every Christian needs to get down to the place of pure honesty. I mean, you've got to get real honest. If you're going to have any armor of God, you're going to have to start with the girdle of truth. You're going to have to put on an armor of truth. You're going to have to put on your belt of truth and get real honest with God and yourself. Total honesty is the beginning of your deliverance. Total honesty is the beginning of your power before God and against Satan. Total honesty. 
Like after you've learned the truth and known the truth, there is no place for dishonesty in your heart. We're not going to tiptoe around your little demons when really the truth is you're not being honest. So just this is serious business around here. We do it with a smile. Your soul, the stuff in your soul is serious business. Let's not treat it. Let's not just hide it with, with more pizza. The stuff in your soul is serious business. Let's not hide it with more pleasure out there. I mean, some people hide their demons just by going shopping. I, I say, hey, if, if you have to go shopping to get your mind off your troubles, go ahead, go shopping. If you need to go to a restaurant and get your mind off your troubles, do that. Take a, to get your mind off of your troubles or, or whatever care you've cast to God, take a nap. But don't hide. Don't hide from the truth with those things. Use them in your faith walk, but don't hide from the truth. I mean, you could even go jogging to get your mind off your... Jogging? Yeah, I don't do that either, but anyway, you could. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. All right, so we're, we're, we got to meet Jesus. You find when you met Jesus, you start repenting. You start turning. Grown men get humble. Big, tough, can't touch me type of folks get real soft, loving, pliable, begin to worship God and bow to the Lord. Acts chapter 9, you should go through these things. Acts chapter 9. Like Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, I mean, you know, he was in a place of power and money. And when the Lord went to his house, Zacchaeus repented instantly and gave up money. Instantly humbled down to the lowest. I admit it, I've been a scoundrel. I'm paying people back. Some of you in here probably need to pay somebody back. You don't always have to do that. Some of you don't have enough money to pay back what you've stolen. But your heart should be willing. And some of you probably could pay somebody. At least pay what you owe. You should see the look on our faces. Some people have preached in the past, you're supposed to pay back tithes. Some rich people have paid back tithes. They've calculated, you know, I owe God a lot of money. Well, some of you ought to. Now it's really quiet. You don't even have to give them here. Just give it to the church where you should have been all those years. <clears throat> Again, it's about a heart. It's a heart that repents and says, Lord, I'm yours. Lord, I want to I fix things. I'm, I messed it up. Uh, did, have you gone through that? When you gave your life to the Lord, did you go through any of that process? I mean, unless you grew up in church and everything's been perfect all your life, have you ever gone through that repentive process where you say, oh man, I, I need to at least apologize. I did that when I came back to the Lord. My first thought was, oh man, I've hurt people. Not only have I been a terrible example for Christ, I've, I've actually probably hurt people. So I began to apologize to a few people when I would see them. And they're like, oh, 
no, you're, you're one of the best people I knew. I'm thinking, yeah, but in my heart, I know that I sinned against you. And it feels like, man, I got to, man, I'm, I'm different. I'm, I care about people now. If you've met Jesus, you'll start feeling those feelings. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Acts chapter 9, this is when Paul got knocked down on the ground by the Lord, verse 3, Acts 9, 3, and he journeyed, he came near Damascus. This is before Paul was Paul, he was Saul, he was a killer of Christians and a persecutor. He hated, he hated Christians. It says, he came near Damascus and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I'm Jesus, whom you're persecuting. It's hard for you to kick against the goads. And so he, uh, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Instantly, Paul said, okay. And he, first of all, he called him Lord, like, okay, I'm submitted to you now. What do you want of me? Every believer who has met Jesus Christ should be saying that. Not just in surface statement, but in true, Lord, I am yours now. I will go anywhere and do anything as long as you don't send me to India. No, don't, don't even add anything extra as long as you don't make me break up with, as long as you don't make me leave my, as long as you don't make me have to, oh, no, 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 just whatever. And then he said, arise and go into the city and it'll be told to you what you must do. You're going to, other people are going to have to be involved in your walk with God. Amen. Why didn't the Lord just tell him? The Lord made him connect with Ananias and, and then go and then wait for three days. And then somebody had to lay hands and then there was connection and that was important in Paul's journey. God's going to make you be involved with people. It's not about just you and Jesus. It's you and Jesus and all of the agents that he puts in your life. And then it goes down and says, you know, okay, so now he's going to get his calling. How many of you want to know your calling? I want to know my calling. What am I called? What do you want me to do, Lord? Hope it's something great. Like maybe I could be famous on YouTube or something. Could it be something wonderful? So he tells Ananias, Ananias says, Lord, he's a persecutor. He's been killing Christians. He said, just go, just go. Everything's going to be okay. I want you to lay your hands on him and tell him some things. So Jesus is putting Ananias and Paul together, telling them each to do something, go somewhere. And then verse 13, Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much harm he's done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he's a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. Verse 16, for I will show him how great he will be. For I will show him how many millions he will win. For I will show him how many books of the Bible he will get to write. You're going to have to drop your American style of ambition when it comes to the kingdom of God. I've heard way too many people say, the Lord, I had a dream. The Lord showed me millions, millions of people. I was going to, eh, eh. that was a dream from the devil. 
It was. You got I in there. I, you put I in there. Jesus said, I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Nobody ever says that. I, know, I dreamed that I was going to have to suffer for No, nobody ever says that. It's always how many trophies they were going to get. You can tell the way God talks, the way the devil talks, the way self wants to promote self. You got to be careful of those things. Sure got quiet in here. Yeah, if you're going to walk with Jesus, there'll be a little bit of spiritual suffering, not physical suffering, not, not loss of job and loss of money and loss of health and tragic. Not that. That's not promised. But suffering in the name of Jesus is part of it. Anybody that lives godly is going to get persecuted. Somebody's going to make fun of you. Somebody's going to cut you out of their life. Somebody's not going to appreciate if you're going to live godly. Now, if you don't live godly, they'll keep you around. I said, if you're not going to live godly, all your favorite people will keep you around. They'll put up with your silent belief in Jesus. But if you're going to live godly, they're going to shun you. So that, that helps you recognize, am I really living godly? Because if you're living godly, you'll suffer persecution. All who live godly will be persecuted. Shunned. And you will have to decide, do I want my favorite people or, or Jesus? It's a choice. You can't have both. Unless they come to Christ fully, you can't have both. He said, you got you to gotta love me and hate them. Okay, I'm bringing too much Bible into it. Am I bringing too much Bible into this? A lot of people, you know, are real glad that we teach the Bible in here. But it's like, oh, but not that much. <laughs> now you're touching my favorite people. Praise the Lord. Okay, so uh, first thing is you got to meet Jesus. And you need to get saved, delivered, set free, healed from all your things. Physical healing is part of that. Spiritual healing, mental healing. Anything that's messing your life up, man, you got to get free from it. Listen, he wants you free from all of it. We want you free from all of it. We're fed up with the devil destroying people's lives. You got to get freed from it. You got to want it really deeply. You got to decide God's going to set me free. You got to disconnect from all your other avenues of how you're thinking you're getting free. And you got to say, Jesus is going to set me free. I'm going to stick there until it happens. I'm going to press through the crowd. I'm going to stay at the door. I'm going to wait until it happens. I'm not departing from God until I see the scripture come to pass for me. You need to decide the scripture is going to work for you and you'll be set free. If, if he sets you free, you'll be free. Whom the son sets free is free indeed. I'm free then. I'm learning the truth and I'm set free. Every demon has to scatter. Every demon has to scatter. Matter of fact, you should say that out loud. Every demon scatters from me. Every devil scatters. Every demon goes, go, go. You might need to do it in here when we say to, and you might need to do it at home by yourself. And when you say it and connect with your heart, man, you'll, you'll, you, might, you might feel some tension. You might feel some, some tension between the devil and Jesus. Some tension between the devil and Christ in you. And then do it until you're totally free, no tension left. Do it until you're totally free from the devil. 
Greater is he that's in me than every devil. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. You say it until something happens. I don't care if it's a pinky problem. I don't care if it's a mental problem. You say greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world until it, something happens. You say it until you connect. You, you stand there until it goes. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. There is a responsibility that you have. You know, some messages are God will set you free and God will set you free. Yay. And then we say, now what you have to do, huh? It'd be dishonest if I didn't give you the human side. It'd be very dishonest. A lot of huge ministries have forgotten to, to give the human side. Second thing is happen. First you meet Jesus, then you follow Jesus. Remember that? Jesus found Andrew and Peter. And he said, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. It says immediately they left their nets and followed him. James and John, immediately they left their father and followed Jesus. Then he found Matthew, the tax collector, and he said, follow me. And Matthew said, as soon as I get done with the books. No, immediately he arose and followed him, left the books, unreconciled. And all the accountants gave a big laugh. Because no real accountant would ever leave the books unreconciled. <laughs> you follow him. You begin to obey the Lord Jesus. You instantly want to obey Jesus. He gets, he gets your calendar. Like you get saved. You start following Jesus. You get dunked in water. You're like, I'm going I'm to I'm gonna try to really commit here. He said, okay, give me your calendar. My calendar. Jesus gets your calendar. No amens. No glory to God's. No praise the Lord's. No glory. No how wonderful it is to be under the leadership of someone else who can set my calendar for me so I don't have to set my own calendar. You don't have to make all your own decisions. Let Jesus have your calendar. Is this going over okay, Vince? It's good, isn't it? If he's Lord, I'm obeying and he gets my calendar. He'll let you have some vacations here and there. He'll let you have some leisure time here and there. He'll let you do a couple things that you want to do and he doesn't have any say so. He'll let you do all that. Sure, you, you have plenty of free time. You're really, you'll have plenty of free time. You walk with Jesus, you'll have plenty of free time. If you need it, you, you got it. The question is, does he have your calendar? Woo! We're touching people's favorite people in their life, parents, calendar, money. We already talked about money way too much. It just so happens the Lord wants to be Lord of your whole life, and he has a bunch to say about all of it. And it's always to make your life better. It's always to improve now and later. People think that God's trying to take something away from you. Yeah, he's trying to take the world away. He's trying to take your lust for the world away. Trying to take the lust of your eyes, the lust of the flesh, 
He's trying to take the pride of life away from you so that your life is not just built on self-exaltation and fulfillment. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. You'll want, to, you'll want to get baptized in water. Last week, it was wonderful to see so many wanted to really actually, okay, he said to be baptized in water. I can at least do that. And then leave you, the old you under the water. That's what the eunuch said in Acts chapter 8. Are we right there? Acts chapter 8. Let's read it right here. This is where Philip found the eunuch in the chariot reading, reading the Old Testament. And the eunuch didn't understand it because people that aren't saved can't understand the Bible. And so... Verse 30, Philip ran to him, heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he asked, because see, you need someone to guide you. And he asked Philip to come sit with him. The place in the scripture was read was from Isaiah about Jesus led to the slaughter as a sheep. And then skip down here, uh, verse, verse 35. Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at the scripture, preached Jesus to him. Now, as they went down the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, see, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered, answered and said, I believe Jesus Christ is the son of God. He commanded the chariot to stand still. Both Philip and the eunuch went down to the water and he baptized him. You meet Jesus, you believe in him, boom, now obey him. Go ahead and get dunked. Praise the Lord. It's not the end. Baptism in water is not the end. It's the beginning. Baptism in water means you're connecting to the body of Christ. It's your permission slip to follow closely with Jesus. And you need to do it publicly so everybody can see. It could be just one person, but everybody sees somebody. That, somebody sees you have made a public declaration that all of heaven has seen. That means you've got to stay Christian the rest of your life. That means you've got to stay connected to the body all your life. That means you've made a declaration. I'm going to not be my own God. I'm going to be connected to God. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Turn to Luke, the book of Luke, chapter 8. Luke, chapter 8. Uh, you start following Jesus, you're, you're, you're going to give money. I think I've already said that. But your substance all of a sudden is thrown onto the table where you, you put your life, you put your calendar, you put your friends, you put your money, everything's on the table. Now, Lord, what do you want me to do? And it just so happens, I think I already said this in the offering time, Luke chapter 8, verse 1, it came to pass. He went through every city and village preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the 12 were with him. And certain women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom came seven demons, and Joanna the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others who provided for him from their substance. See that? Provided from him of their substance. Go to Luke chapter 7, verse 36. One of the Pharisees asked, to eat with, asked him to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. Behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil, stood at his feet behind him weeping, began to wash his feet with her tears and wiped them with the head of her hair, and she kissed the feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. You start giving to God. You start, and this was for the purpose of his burial, really. This was for the, you know, when the alabaster box of oil was poured on Jesus, it was for his burial. He wasn't even dead yet. Imagine that. 
How would you like it if we poured before you were even dead? But let's think of it as it was for the purpose of God. When you give money, it's for the purposes of God. The reason they gave to Jesus after they got set free is it was for the purposes of gospel ministry. So you need to have that happen in you where you're free. Oh, wow. I love, I'm so thrilled with God. What do you need from me? Luke, Luke chapter six, Luke chapter six. Now let's move to, okay, so first we meet him, then we follow him. And now it's time to be like him. It's not just about you trying to um, adhere to some of the prophet's instructions, like adhere to lifestyle instructions. Many people have read the four gospels that way. Oh, Jesus was a prophet. He was a good person who gave good things and told us uh, how to live right. Yes, you need to live right. But now it's time to really, really be like Jesus. Really be like Jesus. To be like Jesus. To be like him. To be like him. What you get with God is you get the ability to be like God. Be imitators of God as dear children. Child-father relationship means you start becoming just like him. If it's a wonderful father, then you want the child to be just like you. And God is pretty wonderful. He wants you to be just like him. Now, you'll have some different carvings. You'll have different personality. You'll have a lot of different things you are and do in life. But the essence of yourself will be like, be like God. That's the goal is be like God. And we can say, be like Jesus. Look at Luke chapter 6 here, verse 40. <clears throat> A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. King James says, disciple is not above his master. Everyone perfect who is perfect will be like his master. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not perceive the plank in your own eye? <clears throat> we'll stop there. I just want you to see that we're not above our teacher. We're going to have to be like Jesus. Amen. We're supposed to be as our teacher. Well, let's go to John 15 since, oh no, we're in Luke. Go to, go to 1 Peter, 1 Peter. 1 Peter towards the end here, end of the book. <clears throat> 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21. 1 Peter 2, verse 21. says, for to this you were called because Christ also suffered for us leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. Notice that, follow his steps. Is everybody following his steps? Ever, anybody but Emilio following his steps? <laughs> I heard one amen on the front row. You get credit for that? And then let's, let's back up and, and read the passage because it says, to this you were called. To what I was called? To this theme. 
and other things, but particularly this is what he's saying in this passage. Verse 13, therefore submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme or the president. Americans think that we escape. We don't have a king. Well, you got a president. Or to governors, you got a governor. As to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. Notice, first of all, that governments uh, and kings are set up by God to punish evildoers. Don't be afraid of the punishment system in any country. You got to have one to deter evil. And then we would add, you submit to every ordinance of man as long as it doesn't cause you to go away from the Bible. As long as it doesn't cause you to disobey God. As long as it doesn't cause you to violate your conscience in relation to the Lord God himself. Does that make sense? Other than that, we obey. Speed limit, you obey plus five. And the cops say they're not going to, it's okay as long as you're not too far over. I know there's some sticklers not happy with me right now. Anyway, okay, move along, move along. Verse 15, for this is the will of God that by doing good you may put to silence the foolish of ignorant men. The ignorance of foolish men. As free and not using not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bondservants of God. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Servants, be submissive to your masters or your bosses or whoever's over you with all fear. Not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. It's a good chance for you to say, praise the Lord. Come on, really, really, this, you read the Bible and it corrects you and, and you need to be alert to that. Say, oh, okay. That, that what that means is you need to be good to your bad boss and your good boss. You need to be honorable toward the wonderful people and the not so wonderful people over you. Most Christians see that and they're like, well, I'll just leave. Not if you're called. Well, I don't like this. Team, you know, college kids do. I don't, college athletes. I don't, I don't like that coach. I'm gonna go somewhere. Yeah, come on. That's you got Christians hopping jobs looking for the perfect boss. No, no. Be honorable toward even the bad bosses. Win them to give it. Give yourself at least a year or two or ten to win them to the Lord. But that cuts into my lifestyle. Yeah. Well, I know. Be submissive to your masters with all fear. You got to teach your children how to be this to teachers. Kids in the old day were respectful because parents made them be respectful. Now parents are disrespectful themselves, dishonoring every leadership in the child's life. <clears throat> Whew, what time is it? Is it, is it all, anybody ready to go? Like I said, I hate to bring the Bible into it, but listen, this is why you need to be in church so that you can see the next, the next page. T 
TV and media, just one page. And then the, by, in church, next page. Yes. Pastors and shepherds have to give the next. All right. We have to give the rest of the story. We're the ones that keep us safe and sane and stable. Not just overly excited on energy drink. Listen, the, the energy drink preaching uh, attracts the biggest crowd. Now all of you are thinking about energy drinks. I'd like one of those. You, some of you may need an energy drink. If you sleep in church, you, you should drink one before you come. They make those five-hour energy drinks. Just pop one. Not acceptable? Not acceptable. Some of you should not be drinking those. I have my notes. My notes don't have any of that in it. Verse 18, servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. For this is commendable. If because of conscience toward God, one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. You know, it works sometimes you suffer wrongfully and, and have had to help many Christians get through this. And so there needs to be a season where you endure grief. Look, if there's no, if it's damaging your life and everything about what's going on, sure, sure, you can change jobs, but do it with the Lord. Make sure you never leave a job because you're mad. Never leave a job because, oh, I'm just fed up. No, no, no. Only with the will of God. Same thing with a school or a church or anything you're involved in. Don't, don't leave because you're, oh, no, no. Only the will of God would cause you to, to get out of where he put you. Only if he re-put you. Don't be moved by your own soul and your own emotions and all that. Amen. Verse 20, for what credit is it when you're beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? Like if you really did something wrong and you're beaten, what's the big deal? But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. You notice he doesn't say escape all beating. Right. And, and, and we're not talking about physical here. Unless you're in prison. It's different. Verse 21. For to this you were called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. Now, now the context comes clear. You're supposed to follow Christ in, in this being submissive to master stuff. Verse 22. Who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return, but when he... When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. Wow, what a context. So we need to be like Jesus. Hopefully, you felt that. Hopefully, you felt, you know what? I'm cool now. I, I can handle it. I can handle all things. I can do all things. You quote it all the time. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. We're not just talking about you holding your tongue. I wanted to tell my boss the. We're not talking about that. 
We're talking about Christ in you, strengthening you so that you can love your boss even if he sinned against you. I have wonderful feelings toward you. I care deeply about you. Can I pray for you? Can I help you? Can I work overtime for you? That was a joke, but I think it came from the Lord. I think some of you could benefit by being extra kind to your boss. Might change your life. Go to Matthew 11. Matthew 11. We're talking about being like Christ, and you're going to see that you need to be in Christ. He's in you. You need to be in him. There's a whole truth that as we learn who we really are in Christ, you're not the old you. You're not just the old punching bag. You're, you're new in Christ. You're new. You're a new creature in Christ. Old things are passed away. You don't have to protect your own self. Matthew 11, Jesus said this, verse 28. He said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Notice he's gentle and lowly. Everybody say gentle, lowly. Gentle, lowly. lowly. Jesus was gentle and lowly. You're supposed to follow in his steps. He's the example. You got to be gentle and lowly. And that means in public and behind closed doors. For those of you in the back, that means in public, gentle and lowly. And then when you get home, you don't curse your boss out. When you get home, you don't ah, let it all fly out. I, just, ah, I was quiet in the meeting, but then when I got to the thing, ah. No, we're talking about in heart. Not just in presentation, in heart. Gentle and lowly in heart. What does that do for you? Oh man, it just puts you to the ground. Gentle and lowly in heart is like, oh. You want to stand up. Some of you are standing up right now while you sit. You're sitting on the outside, standing up on the inside. No, 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 sit down. Sit down on the inside. Gentle and lowly in heart, you'll find rest for your soul. It's a lot easier when you don't take on leadership from Jesus. Let him be your soul leader, soul Lord. And anybody in the Lord, maybe that's over you in the Lord, anybody in your life, yes, you've got to be submissive. Listen, there's safety when you submit. There's safety when you can honor somebody above you. There's safety when you just obey the command. God's trying to keep you safe by all the commands. If you're in the military and you're at war, there's safety in just obeying the leader. Isn't that the rule? Veterans Day was yesterday. We do thank God for everybody. Isn't that the rule? Just obey your commanding officer or else. Well, it sounds real strict and restrictive, but it's for safety. So athletes need to know this. Wives have a hard time sometimes submitting. There's a lot of safety in submitting. Children, just do what I say. Why? There's safety in just doing what the parents said. I didn't hear any wives 
More, more on that, more on that. The husbands are thinking more on that. The wives are thinking, I don't know if I want to hear any more of that. Listen, it ain't easy. It's not, submission is not easy. That's why you're commanded over and over and over. In various ways, you see that it's just, it's, it's a command because it goes against your nature. Our human nature is to not. Our human nature starting at age two, one, six months, do what I want. Two-year-old, do what they want. You ever had a two-year-old in the house? I haven't, but I know you have. You ever had a two-year-old? Don't they, don't they want to do what they want? Do they want to be told what to do? What's their favorite word? No. No. That's the first word they learn, so that's their favorite word. No. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Go to John 15. John 15. Uh, Jesus, they were trying to, remember when they were arguing about who was going to get to sit at the left and right of Jesus? And he said, you don't know what you're asking. He said, are you able to drink the cup that I'm drinking? Are you able to get baptized with the baptized I'm getting baptized with? They said, yeah, Lord, yeah, we can do it. He said, you will drink of the cup, which is the cup of suffering. It's the cup of giving up your own will. It's the cup of consecration. He said, you will drink this cup and you will get baptized with what I'm baptized with. You're going to get the Holy Ghost and, and fire and it's going to burn up some stuff out of your life. John 15 here, verse 20, Jesus says, remember the word uh, I said to you, a servant's not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they'll also persecute you. If they've kept my word, they'll keep yours also. But all these things they'll do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know him who sent me. So you can expect some persecution in your life. Everybody good with that? I have to preach this excessively to the Americans because American Christians aren't used to persecution. If somebody persecutes you, it's like, I'm filing a lawsuit. <laughs> well, if, if that's the right, you know, there, there's probably a right time to do that, maybe from work or loss of money or something like that, maybe. But bottom line is you can expect some persecution and more. Amen. Listen, we need to fight to keep America as free as long as we can. And some of you might be called in the political arena to do that because we value that, that we have freedom here. But just be prepared as a Christian. It might get taken away here and there because he said you're going to get persecuted. You, you can't escape. Per he didn't escape persecution. He was the Lord Jesus Christ. Just because you live in America doesn't mean you can escape the, the persecution. <clears throat> uh Go to John chapter five and, and you know, persecution, there's a whole, we could teach a whole message on it, but, uh, he said, rejoice when you're persecuted for great is your reward in heaven. And we're talking about real persecution when you were in the right. We're not talking about persecution when you were in the wrong. Some people who get corrected or rebuked, oh, you're persecuted. Oh, I'm getting persecuted. Oh, uh, well, it's no, you're getting corrected and rebuked because of your stupidity. Don't blame that on persecution. That's different.
John chapter, what did I say, five? John chapter five, verse 17. Jesus answered them, said, my father has been working until now, and I've been working. Therefore, the Jews sought to, to, to kill him because not only he broke the Sabbath, but also he said God with his father, making himself equal with God. So you see this in Jesus' ministry that he began to say stuff like this, that my father has sent me, that my father is working, meaning God the father is his father. And they, they wanted to kill him because by saying God is your father, you're saying you're equal. Not in position, not in total authority and dominance and, and omnipotence and, omnip and omniscience, but in essence and in nature, just like God planned. Let us make man in our image. So a child is in the same image of his father. Child grows up to be an adult just like his father. Same in essence and nature. We have the same essence and nature as God. So if you keep calling God father, what you're saying is you're equal. Not in the same amount of power and the same, same position. Not, not like that. You're not God. You're not the almighty God. But you're equal in essence and nature so much that he said, I'm going to live in you. You're going to live in me. Christ is going to be in us. We're all going to be one. We're seated with him in heavenly places. Like we're on the throne with God. We're not under the throne. We're on seated, seated with Christ. Come on. This is, it, it kind of goes against our, our human nature, but it's the reality of who you really are. This is the type of truth that you need to get free. This is what you need to hear so that you can stand up taller over the devil. So over sickness and I'm way up above sickness and disease. I'm over Satan. I'm over sickness, sin, all the works of Satan. I'm over. I'm, I'm in Christ. I can be freed from the darkness and I can, I can emulate Jesus Christ. I'm in him and he's in me. I guess I'll be good like him. You can be good just like Jesus, as good as Jesus. It's all the dancing I'm doing. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Look at verse 22. The father judges no one, but it's committed all judgment to the son that all should honor the son just as they honor the father. He who does not honor the son does not honor the father who sent him. Look at John 14. A couple more scriptures, then we're done. John 14, verse 7. Jesus says, if you had known me, you would have known my father also. And from now you know him and have seen him. Jesus was just like his father. You can be just like your father. Verse 9, have I been with you so long and yet you've not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the father. So how can you say, show us the father? If you've seen Jesus in the scriptures, you've seen God in the scriptures. You're not Christ, but you're in Christ. He's the way, the truth, and the life. You're in the way and in the truth and in the life. Christianity was called the way in the early church. They would say, oh, they're, they're of that way. You're of that way. The word Christianity is not in the scriptures. The word way is. And it's capitalized. You're in the way. I don't mean in the way of yourself or something. You're in that way. You and I are of that way. What way? That way where we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and live differently. We're different. We're, cr we're created new in Christ. I'm a new creature. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Glory to God. 
This is all designed so that you can let go of your old self, so that you can kind of throw away all of your selfish dreams. Paul said this. He said, I got it all. If you're going to talk about the flesh, I got it all. I got, I got status. I got popularity. I've got clout. I'm a Pharisee of the Pharisees. I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. That means I, can, I got left-handed pitchers with me. I'm a, the lefties. They're always special. I'm not a lefty. People are like, uh-huh. He said, I got it all. Tribe of Benjamin, circumcised the eighth day. I'm of the stock of Israel, Hebrew above the Hebrews. I'm a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He said, but I count it all rubbish. And I count it all loss. I lose it all that I may win Christ. You got to give up all of you so that you can have Christ. You got to give up all of you so that you can have Christ. And you'll be, and then he said, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, but the which is of the law, but the righteousness, which is by faith. Not having my own righteousness. Not being built up by your own self-righteousness and self-exaltation. Just let it all go. All the way to square one, zero floor. Humble yourself. When you can do that, you'll start seeing Christ come out. You'll be just like him. Isn't that exciting? Thank you for joining Pastors Chaz and Joni today from Houston Faith Church. If you're looking for a good home church in Houston, Texas, we'd like to invite you to be our guest anytime. What you'll find is the Houston Faith Church is highly committed to the Word of God, the love of God, and the Spirit-filled life and ministry that Jesus expects. We know that everyone wants to make a difference in this life and that the Great Commission of the Lord Jesus Christ is the main thing for all of us. You'll find your purpose here and grow strong in faith at Houston Faith Church. Find more faith-building resources on our YouTube channel or subscribe to our free audio podcast. You can also connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. See you soon.